Believe Podcast Network. It's time for the Believe in Ole Miss Podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Your home for Ole Miss sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault. To the pavilion, to Swayze Field. It's all Ole Miss, all the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. They're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So be sure and head on over to the updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Join and use the promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. That's B-L-E-A-V-50. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take the advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. That's betonline.ag. And welcome into today's show. It is Egg Bowl week here, and it is a week that a lot of Ole Miss fans look forward to every year. Some for a number of reasons. One, you just kind of want to get it over with. Uh, it's kind of like going to the dentist. I saw someone on Twitter posted. It's almost like having to get a root canal. Uh, because you know you're going to face a Mississippi State team that's really good and a Mississippi State team that puts a very big emphasis on this game every year. So uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, 6.30 on Thanksgiving night. It is on Thanksgiving once again. I know there's a lot of mixed reviews on that. Not easy to, to get to that game, uh, specifically if it's an away game for Ole Miss fans to to, do, to get the start for when you have family in on Thanksgiving. So 6.30 on ESPN. Uh, Joe Tessitore along with Greg McElroy will have the call. Uh, we'll get to the Egg Bowl in just a moment. We've got Charlie Winfield of the MSU Radio Network. He does pre- and post-game with Bart Gregory, of course, on the MSU Radio Network from Learfield. Also does a lot with SEC uh, Network Plus with baseball and Mississippi State. So we'll get with Charlie in just a moment. Uh, today's uh, show, of course, is brought to you by Bet Online. Remember to head on over to the updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% Welcome bonus with the promo code BELIEVE to receive your bonus. That's B-L-E-A-V. That's BetOnline, BetOnline.ag. We'll get to Charlie Winfield in just a moment. Until then, we're going to break it down. What happened in uh, Oxford uh, this past Saturday as Ole Miss took care of Vanderbilt and kind of sleptwalk, if you will. Didn't play well, and Matt Corral and head coach Lane Kiffin said as much in the postgame press conference. Ole Miss kind of sleptwalk. They did, but they ended up beating Vanderbilt. Uh, pretty handily uh, before the day was over. Now, I know Vanderbilt made a little bit of run there at the end, but it's a nice interception by DeAndre Prince from Charleston, Mississippi. They won the game 31-17 to and kind of run, kind of won it running away. They did sleepwalk, and they overlooked Vanderbilt. And they, being the Ole Miss players that we talked to at the end of the game, kind of admitted it. Looking forward to the Egg Bowl. Bit of a trap game. Ole Miss played the best game of the season the previous week against then-ranked 11th Texas A&M, uh, winning the game 29-19. And, frankly, it was a lot closer than we thought. 
They're a lot closer than it really should have been. Ole Miss outplayed Texas A&M and won the game. But Ole Miss defeats Vanderbilt 31-17, runs their record to 9-2 on the season, a chance to go to 10 wins, uh, of course, this uh, Thursday night against Mississippi State. A very tall task. The game opened at Ole Miss as a one-point favorite. The last I checked as we record uh, today is a two-and-a-half-point spread for Mississippi State. I expected State to be favored in this game simply because it's at home. They're going to get three points because it's at home, and then if you add three more, that's looking at a six-point you know, spread. I think it'll somewhere uh, – It'll end somewhere either as a pick'em or MSU will be favored, I think, uh, by one or two points. It's going to be close. This is the closest these two teams have been in quite a while. And uh, I expect a very raucous environment. Charlie said he expects Mississippi State to pack the stadium. I do, too. I think this is a game that Mississippi State has struggled. I think Mississippi State feels like they can win the game. And the good news, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, uh, a little bit later with Charlie, Mississippi State's playing its best football of the season. Will Rogers is one of the best quarterbacks in the country right now. The numbers back it up. He's really good, and he's got a great complement of wide receivers. And uh, I, I look for Mississippi State to play well. The, the deal is, is how many possessions is Ole Miss going to get? Because I think Mike Leach and defensive coordinator uh, Zach Arnett are going to do their best to limit Ole Miss's offensive possessions. They want to keep Matt Corral off the field. They want to keep that wide receiving core. By the way, is back. Dontario Drummond. Jonathan Mingo, limited, but he played. And Braylon Sanders, all back. Jaron Ely's wide open as well. His running back is everybody's wide open. Matt Corral was not limited at all. Looked as good as he's looked all season. Did not favor the ankle. Didn't run very much. Run when he absolutely had to, but he got down. Did not get, I don't think he got hit all day, which is very smart. Uh, between Lebby and, and Kiffin on offense, uh, directing this offense. I think it was very smart. So let's take a look uh, real quickly at the Vanderbilt game, how Ole Miss came away with a 31-17 win. Ole Miss scored very quick with Jaron Ely from eight yards out from Matt Corral. Caden Costa's kick was good. Five plays, 65 yards, and get this, time of possession, one minute and seven seconds. Ole Miss took the ball and scored in one minute and seven seconds. 13.53 left on the clock. Pretty good. Ole Miss enforces a Vanderbilt punt. Caden Costa comes out. Uh, Ole Miss uh, stalls. And uh, kicks a 28-yard field goal. Boy, Costa has been great this year. He's been really good. And and I think Ole Miss has, has kind of got that in their back pocket for the next couple of games. If it comes down to a field goal, they can feel good. Because need I remind you, the last time Ole Miss was in Starkville, it ended because of a missed extra point. Costa's good from 28 yards. Time of possession, once again, 1 minute, 44 seconds. Didn't take long. 10 minutes and 18 seconds to go in the first quarter. Ole Miss leads 10 to nothing. Credit Vanderbilt, man. Clark Lee, I think he's he's going to win at Vanderbilt, uh, you know, to a certain extent. I think he's going to do a good job. I really like Clark Lee. I love the post-game press conference and, you know, very complimentary of Ole Miss, but just playing it, you know, he understands the hand that he was dealt. When he came in, Derek Mason just did not have a very good roster. Contrary to what Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin walks into, a really good roster left by Matt Luke. Vandy goes uh, – you know, gets 46 yards on 11 plays. Time possession, 5 minutes, 51 seconds. Uh, the graduate transfer from Alabama, Joseph Bulavis, 49-yard field goal with 1 minute and 8 seconds to go in the first quarter. Yeah, that's right. A long drive. 10-3. to No miss gets the ball in the second half. Dontario Drummond looks as good as he's looked, you know, probably in a month. 
Caught a pass from Matt Corral 10 yards out. The Costa kick was good. 10 plays, 11, 80 yards. Time of, time of possession, 3 minutes and 10 seconds with 12.51 to go in the second quarter. The Rebels lead 17-3, and you feel like the route is on. Credit the Commodores. Come back down to the field. Down the field, I should say. 5 minutes, 29 seconds. A drive that took 12 plays and 60 yards. Another Bovalis uh, field goal, 33 yards. And uh, 7.22 to go in the second quarter. Vandy has cut the lead 17-6. And Ole Miss defense did a nice job. Held Vanderbilt once again to a field goal and, and, and kept the Commodores out of the end zone. Commodores would not get into the end zone until seven minutes to go in the game. Nice job by the Ole Miss defense. Nice job by the Ole Miss defense for the last probably six to eight weeks. Let me just rephrase that. Nice job by the Ole Miss defense probably throughout the year. I don't think the Ole Miss defense gets near the credit it deserves. Ole Miss gets on the board once again in the second quarter. Two minutes, 15 seconds to go until the half. Jerry Neely, a four-yard run. The, uh, the cost to kick is good. Three plays, 18 yards. Time possession is 41 seconds. And that was set up because of a great punt return by Dontario Drummond. 24-6, the Rebels lead after a, a very poor punt, and then it was a good punt return. 24-6. But credit the Commodores with only 2.15 to go. They drive the length of the field and set up another Bovalis 41-yard field goal. That 11-play, 52-yard drive took about 2 minutes and 15 seconds all the way to the first half. Vanderbilt cuts the lead 24-9. And you feel like Ole Miss is in control. They're sleepwalking. The crowd's kind of dead. It's Vanderbilt, and they had not won a conference game. They came in 0-6 in the league. They'll finish 0-7, and then we'll see what happens next week against Tennessee. To They'll probably finish 0-8. Ole Miss comes out uh, – in the third quarter. And look, this third quarter is just a head-scratcher to me. Three points in the last four games in the third quarter. I don't know what's going on. And Lane Kiffin talked about it in the press conference. He doesn't know what's going on. Uh, they've got to remedy that if they're going to win in Starkville. They cannot go, a again, scoreless in the third quarter. Three points against Liberty, no points against Auburn, no points against uh, Texas A&M, and no points against Vanderbilt like nothing I've ever seen. I mean, Ole Miss just has really struggled in the fourth quarter. No points for Vanderbilt either. Only until the fourth quarter until Henry Parrish uh, scores from eight yards out with 12.50 to go in the game. The Costa kick is good. Six plays, 64 yards, time possession. One minute, 57 seconds. Ole Miss is up 31-19. to Vandy would score late on the Rocco Griffin one-yard run. A good drive by the Commodores. Ole Miss defense was tired. I mean, they've been on the field the whole game. Rocco Griffin one yard out. Two-point conversion, uh, the pass to Ben Bresnahan. Ten plays, 75 yards, time possession, five minutes, three seconds. 31-17 is the final score. Vandy gets the, the, the ball late in the game, has a chance to score once again. But uh, once again, uh, Charleston product, DeAndre Prince, intercepting one of the best interceptions you'll see. Makes you wonder if Prince should be playing wide receiver. Makes a great play uh, down on the goal line and uh, stops that drive for Vanderbilt. Now the Rebels... Uh, as we put a cap on this game, heads into the Egg Bowl this week and faces a Mississippi State team that we'll talk with uh, Charlie Winfield about uh, in in detail about what uh, the Rebels are going to be encountering on Thursday night in Starkville. Until then, you kind of have to look at what's up next for, for Ole Miss. What, what's next if Ole Miss can go to Starkville and win? I think it's pretty simple. Keith Carter told uh, the Ole Miss Radio Network in the pregame show that 
when asked the question, is it going to be the peach or the sugar if Ole Miss beats Mississippi State? Without hesitation, Keith said yes. Without question, if Ole Miss wins in Starkville, it's going to be an access bowl against whoever in the Peach Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Ole Miss will be 10-2 for the first time in program history. They would have won 10 games in the regular season. For the first time since 1992, Ole Miss goes undefeated at home, 7-0. It's absolutely a special season. Speculation is surrounding. It is swirling Lane Kiffin. Is he going to stay? If he doesn't stay, who's the new coach? Is there going to be a distraction this week? I think it's pretty foolish to think there's at least not some questions in Oxford who's going to be the head coach next year because Lane Kiffin has not definitively come out and said, I will be the head coach at Ole Miss next year. And even then, we see what happened with Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. He comes out, definitively says, I will be the head coach at Texas A&M. I don't want to go anywhere else. It's athletic director Ross Bjork comes out and does a pithy tweet that I'm sure was screenshotted and saved in case for future reference. But, I mean, you haven't even gotten that one from Lane Kiffin. I don't expect you will because I think there's no doubt about it. His name is being floated in a number of different jobs. So definitely something to monitor. The question is, going into game week here, uh, will it be a distraction for the Ole Miss football team? You know, we won't know until after the Egg Bowl. But Ole Miss right now is special season indeed. Ole Miss fans can look forward to a bowl game. If Mississippi State wins the game, I think you look at it and it's probably another Outback Bowl. It's probably a Citrus Bowl. I think it would be a likely destination. But it would probably be a bowl game in Florida. Outback, Citrus, somewhere there. Gator, maybe. But it's definitely been a fun season. And it's been a season to where the defense has stepped up. I remember in the first game of the season in Atlanta when Ole Miss played well against Louisville and did a nice job defensively, and we wondered, would defense really matter? Would it be better? We knew there were some new faces on defense, but would they be better? Arkansas, Tennessee, Auburn, Liberty, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, all those games were big games, and they won those games except Auburn, and that's when Matt Corral had a beat-up angle and no wide receivers to speak of. Ole Miss won all those games except Auburn. It'll be a, a special season in the record book. The question is, is what happens Thursday night in Starkville? Let's hear from Charlie Winfield, covers Mississippi State's the pre- and the post-game host on the MSU radio network from Learfield. Shares that chair with Mark Gregory. Oh, boy. It's going to be fun. Let's hear from Charlie. Let's hear what's going on at Mississippi State, what Ole Miss fans can expect in Starkville on Thursday night as you listen to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Podcast Network. It is a place which exerts an extraordinary pull on all who have walked its hallowed ground. Thousands come each year, and yet no one ever really leaves. Ole Miss is for life. A major university with the familiar intimacy of family. Friendships that are more than friendships. Moments that are more than moments. An autumn celebration on a Saturday afternoon in the Grove. Contests waged and triumphs savored. With our largest freshman class, soaring honors college, national reputation for academics and research, 
our pride is overflowing. Today, more than ever, for all who have ever called this magical place home, you never leave Ole Miss. Welcome back to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Want to be a part of the program? Just email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganc-o-t-e. Whether it's touchdown Ole Miss or showers and right, it's all Ole Miss all the time. And now back to the show. Now happy to be joined by Charlie Winfield. Charlie, of course, handles pre and post game on the MSU Radio Network. Also does a ton on SEC Plus with Bart Gregory and uh, knows this football team kind of backwards and forwards. And, and Charlie, thanks very much for joining us today. Man, I'm happy to be here. This is always a week that's uh, I don't know. You stay a little extra nervous this week, don't you? I think on both sides, and I think you and I, um, you know, I follow Mississippi State pretty close. And I feel like, you know, you have a pretty good gauge for what Ole Miss is going to do. So I feel like we're probably going to know each other's answers. But for a lot of people listening to the show, they're not as in tune with what Mississippi State's been doing, specifically early on. A team, you know, Charlie, honestly, I was in Memphis. I saw the game against the Tigers where they outplayed Memphis and lost the game. Uh, A game, ironically, before that against NC State where Mississippi State just outplayed NC State. Again, the LSU game, kind of a head-scratcher, 28-25. They lose that game. And then I think the two big games on the schedule, Texas A&M, win a big win at College Station. And then, of course, last week or the week before against Auburn, play really well down on the Plains and win that game 43-34 to after being down 28-3. to It's just been – is roller coaster a fair enough assumption to, to say what the state season has kind of been? Yes. We were talking to a high school coach not too long ago and trying to figure it out because even within games, sometimes you see a little bit of a roller coaster. Take Auburn, for example. You're down 28-3. to Now, you come back and win it with basically six touchdowns in a row, but you say, how do you start so slow and then finish strong like that? And, you know, the high school coach was saying, to some degree, you almost wonder if the team takes on the personality of its coach that – you're not terribly fired up to start a game when emotion really matters. But then once it gets settled in, you're not terribly down or depressed by the fact that you're behind because it's very much a next play kind of focus. I don't know if that's the case or not. I I told Bart, I thought, as strange as it sounds, this past weekend, of course, you had an FCS opponent coming in in Tennessee State, but I thought one of the most important things was to go score some touchdowns in a hurry just to see if you can get used to it because we just haven't done that. At the conclusion of the Latte game, um, you know, I, I think a lot of probably Mississippi State fans might have thought that game was in doubt. I, I didn't surprise it didn't surprise me at all that, that MSU came back and won that game. At the end of the game, did maybe you and Bart in the post game just kind of look at each other and say, "Man, this may be the way it's going to be this year. It's going to be all over the map." Is, did anything like that entertain your mind after after Mississippi State wins that game? It did, and part of the reason is because I didn't see that we could make the improvements that we needed to make up front. I don't care what you call it, air raid, spread, you name it, whatever offense you want to go with. 
in the SEC, you still better be able to win the line of scrimmage. And despite the fact that you think of throwing it around, you don't think about blocking as much. But the first few games, we couldn't block anybody. I mean, couldn't block anybody. And I give a lot of credit to Mississippi State in the sense of if you – it's always easy to see when the quarterback gets better. It's always easy to see when you complete more passes and run it better. And the the guys that usually get the attention are the quarterback, the receivers, running backs. But a lot of it just starts up front. Now, that's not to say that Mississippi State is an overpowering offensive line, but they are certainly an improving offensive line. And, you know, this is a ball game where you better be improved because Ole Miss, you know, with Sam Williams, you, know, you think about Will Anderson, Alabama, and you think about Sam Williams kind of in that same breath as a couple of guys who can figure out which side of your line they want to exploit, and they're pretty good at doing it. So that's been the area for Mississippi State that's gotten better, and it's the group that better play well uh, this Thursday if State wants to win. Yeah, across the front you've got Scott Lashley, uh, Quatravius Johnson, uh, LaQuinston Sharp, Cameron Jones, and Charles Cross. And I think, you know, just by watching them myself, that's been a one of the, the most evolving groups in the SEC about uh, really struggling earlier on against NC State, La Tech, Memphis, and now all of a sudden against Auburn, and, and, and specifically last week or this past week against Tennessee State, dominating performance. Yeah, and you've seen Cole Smith play a lot more right guard than he had been. And I think one of the real things for Mississippi State that's improved the play on the offensive line is that they've done a better job in the center of that offensive line. It's your center and your guards. And you say, so why does that matter? You know, if in the SEC, you're going to see some really good rush ends, and you're going to have a whole bunch of tackles that aren't capable of beating them in a one-on-one type situation for a long period of time. So what do you want to see? Push them outside, push them deep, at least try to get them up the field. And if you can block it in the middle, your quarterback has a a pocket to step up into and have success. The past four or five weeks, Mississippi State has had a pocket. The first half of the season, that wasn't always there. And so when the pressure came from the outside, Rodgers really didn't have anywhere to go. And I think kind of the improving play at center with LaQuinston Sharp, Cole Smith, and uh, you know Dollar Bill at right guard, I think those guys have – it kind of helped you, and I think the best thing you can say about left guard is you just hadn't heard about it a whole lot. And if look, you know how it goes on the offensive line. If you're not hearing about them, that's a pretty good thing, no doubt. And and if you look real quickly at the schedule, after Mississippi State played well and just straight up beat Texas A&M on the road, uh, Alabama is Alabama. They were clicking on all cylinders, and things just didn't work. From that point forward, if it, it appears to me, Charlie, that you know played well. Vanderbilt, no problem, 45-6. to six. Then beat a you know pretty good Kentucky team at home and beat them soundly. I think Mississippi State outplayed Arkansas. Uh, a couple of kicks go in, and that game's over. You outplay Auburn. Uh, Mississippi State outplays Tennessee State. It appears just on the surface that Mississippi State is really clicking at the right time of the year. Yeah, it does. It feels like they're just playing better. And that's the thing. You go back to the beginning of the year. I tell people, because everybody says all the time, well, boy, you'd like to have Memphis back. We could have, should have won LSU. Now, the problem is, you get, you know, if you're going to replay the schedule, you got to replay all of them. Yeah. I don't know that I want to go to A and M again, for example. Right. But it does feel like this team is playing a lot better, and I think what you're seeing is, um, and, and this sounds like the the coach speak excuse, right? But it's still a young team. 
most of your yards, most of your catches are taking place by freshmen and sophomores, guys who are what you'll call a COVID freshman, right? So they're now starting to get into double-digit starts. And I've kind of wondered, there was the book that talked about the 10,000-hour rule. If you do something enough, you become an expert. And you wonder if some of those guys aren't kind of in an equivalent way starting to kind of transfer into being veterans and understand the system more. And I think back to early in the year, a lot of times you would look as a fan and you would say, well, Rodgers made the wrong read, Rodgers made the wrong throw. In truth, it was a receiver who wasn't in the right place. And so you're starting to see kind of all of them be where they're supposed to be. And I think it's just been a much better team. I was on a lot of shows preseason, and they asked me about Mississippi State and different different programs. I was uh, different radio shows and that sort of thing. And I would really like your answer. I don't know the answer to this uh, or what you're going to say. So, But they said, what is the number one thing you're looking at for Mississippi State? Or what, what's one hot take? Uh, maybe SEC media days that, that you're going to, to throw out there. And I said pretty simple. I think Mississippi State, as a group, would have one of the best wide receiving cores in the conference. And I'm very happy to say I think I was right because you look at what Malik Heath has done, the senior, Makai Polk, who I think all SEC, Jameer Calvin has made some big ste- uh, step-ups with the graduate transfer, and Austin Williams, you know, Charlie, we thought Austin Williams was going to be a guy that's just going to be the face of the program at SEC Media Days, and what he has done is going has been one of the best go-to receivers uh, that Mississippi State has had. And Jaden Wally, I don't think, has had his best year, and you've had players like Christian Ford that have stepped up. I really like this wide receiving core, and I'd be curious as what you thought. Yeah, you know, Makai Polk has really come in and fit in nicely, too. He's not a huge explosive receiver, but he's a dependable receiver. And I go back to what you're talking about with Austin Williams. You know, you talk about dependable. I think I was looking at the numbers earlier today, and out of 50 targets this season, he's caught 45 balls. And that's just a staggering completion percentage on on balls that are thrown your way. And so, obviously, that's a guy that Will Rogers, you know, connects with and has done a good job. But I think that whole group is playing better. You know, another guy that's kind of emerged lately, Ra-Ra Thomas, a young guy, has kind of stepped up and made some plays. And so I go back, I tell you, I said on the postgame show this week, one of the most significant plays that we made in this ballgame this weekend might have been getting a ball to Malik Heath that he then breaks for about a 40- or 50-yard touchdown. And you say, why? Because Malik is one of these guys that you can tell he's an emotional type player and he's got to stay locked in and focused. He wasn't starting for a while. And then Ra-Ra Thomas went down and he came in at Auburn, played really well. And so I think if you're a state fan looking forward to the Egg Bowl, you hope Malik Heath is the player you want him to be, the player he looks like he can be, because that's one of those guys that could make a real difference for your offense. Steve Spurrier, Jr., the uh, wide receiver coach at Mississippi State, a pretty cool picture floating around about uh, his dad with a Mississippi State shirt and a hat on that Brian Haydad popped out there. I thought it was pretty (laughs) funny. I I guess I've never seen Steve Spurrier in state state clothes. But, you know, what he's done – is one of the better coaching jobs, I think. You know, because you talk about Ra-Ra Thomas, and we didn't didn't really talk about Tulu Griffin. I know he's kind of battled some injuries. He's more of a a kick returner specialist. 
But the wide receiver room has been a special one. I think a lot of it has to do with, with the number one, the way that Steve Spurrier Jr. has recruited, and number two, the way he's coached these wide receivers. And it's interesting. You don't see many teams because Mississippi State has separate receiver coaches for outside and inside. They've got Dave Nickel coaching the inside receivers. And, you know, I remember as a kid, if you were on the offensive line, I just thought of you as an offensive lineman. Uh, even as an adult, I'm still guilty of uh, just thinking if you play receiver, you play receiver. Um, you know, in the Mike Leach offense, two different positions. And you don't even really see guys move between them that much. You know, so basically guys who are slot receivers tend to be slot receivers and, and to stay in those positions. But I thought those guys you know, did a really good job. I had a, a fascinating conversation with Mike Leach one time, and I was asking him, you know, what do you need to develop a receiver? We know how many great athletes there are in Mississippi. And basically he said, what I need is some, uh, some pitching machines, some tennis balls, and time. And basically we're going to throw enough tennis balls at them and we're going to make them run enough. We'll teach them how to catch. And so the great discussion you always have is can this offense work in the SEC? Uh, you know, Mike Leach said from the beginning, there's enough athletes within a car drive of either, you know, Starble or Oxford here in this area versus what I had to fly to see at Washington State. Now, a lot of those athletes are going to play defensive back somewhere too. So it kind of balances out. But I think what you've seen is, um, as a group, the receivers have really taken a step forward and have made some tough contested catches. Is it Mealy, Eric Mealy? Is that the, the, the running back coach's name? Am I saying that right? Yes. Yes. I do have a question. You know, I really like Woody Marks, and I really like Dylan Johnson. How does Coach Mealy keep that running back room happy, knowing, <laughs> knowing these running backs are not going to get a ton of carries? You know, that's one of the things that I always wondered about coming in was how do you keep, you know, receivers are known for being a little hard to deal with. You know, they're not going to be unhappy here because if they're not catching the ball, it's their fault. But you look at Mississippi State's receiving list this year, second and third on the list are Jaquavius Marks and Dylan Johnson. Right. And I think what it is is you have to, first of all, you have to convince those guys that if you want to be an NFL running back, say outside of Zeke Elliott or somebody in an offense that kind of features the run, you, you need to be able to catch the football. Um, the other thing, and I heard Mike Leach say this, you know, the goal of this offense is to get the football to the best players. And typically your running backs are among your best players, and typically they're closest to the quarterbacks, so you might as well just toss it to them. And if you if you go and look, too, one of the things that hits Mississippi State's passing stats, they run a number of forward pitches. They're practically run plays. And so I think at the very least, you keep them active in the offense. Now, it's one clearly not for everybody as a running back. You know, you're not going to sign Tank Bigsby from Auburn to come play running back at Mississippi State. On the other hand, you take um, some of these guys and look, Ole Miss has got one who would be great in this system and a guy like an Ely because if you think about what that guy could do catching some balls, you know, out of the backfield. And so if you can sell them on being involved and less get them to worry less about how they get involved, that's the key to making it work in this system. During ACC media days and then preseason, we basically heard the names like Emmanuel Forbes, Martin Emerson, and players like that in the secondary now that we're almost to the conclusion of the season, 
who are some names on defense that have really stepped up this year? I know one name I've heard a lot about is Tyus Wheat, the senior transfer linebacker. But curious, who are some names that Ole Miss fans could be looking for across that defense? You know, another one is uh, Cameron Young, who's a defensive lineman. He's a guy who doesn't get as many snaps as a guy like a Tyrus Wheat. Of course, defensive linemen typically don't. But he and Nathan Pickering have both been having a lot of improved play on the defensive front. Uh, Jet Johnson, a guy that uh, came out several years ago out of Tupelo, who just is the classic case of waiting his time, working hard, working hard, and then getting a chance and really making the most of it. And a guy who is starting to fit in uh, at safety is Jalen Green. At the beginning of the year, I was telling you earlier about how I looked at each other, you know, kind of Bart, and we said, yeah. boy, I don't know if we can block anybody. It was after about first second game. I looked at him and said, man, I don't think Jalen Green can cover anybody. But then you get on into the season, and it's a guy who's a transfer, and so you probably ought to just know to give him a little more time. And every week he seems to grade out a little better than he did the week before, and all of a sudden he's become a very dependable safety for Mississippi State. So I think those are the guys, to me, that kind of really jump out you know, on the backside of that defense. And then a – a Randy Charlton for Mississippi State, who's a defensive end, actually has more quarterback pressures than anybody on the team this year. We look across the NFL, Chris Jones. I mean, there's so many big-time players uh, that played at Mississippi State, a Preston Smith, just litter uh, defenses across uh, the NFL. How big of a recruiting tool is, is, is that for Mississippi State to be able to just appoint to those big-time players, the Jeff Simmons for the Titans, for this, uh, this Ole Miss team? I'm sorry, this Mississippi State recruiting staff. I think it's really important, particularly where you look at where most of those guys are, yeah. defensive line, and what has been the knock over the years on a Mike Leach coach team, well, they don't care about defense. Well, it helps to have something to point to in your history as a school to say that this school, you know, this school values defense. And I think it really helps too, when you've got a guy like a Zach Arnett who plays an exciting brand. So if you're a defensive lineman, if you're a linebacker and you want to be able to get some stats, because what's the thing we know about the NFL, they value guys defensively who can get to the quarterback. That's a league right now. You got to throw it and you better get to the guy trying to throw it. And so the good news is when you play that pressure type of defense, you got a chance to put some numbers up there and, and make yourself, you know, a, a little more valuable. And, and, and again, there's a history there, and I, I think that helps. Looking at the special teams, I know there was a, you know, Brandon Ruiz has been dealing with an injury. Uh, you expect Nolan McCord to get the call on Thursday night? I do. And it was funny, we were doing the, pregame show yesterday and I always get asked what my keys to the game were and one of my keys to the game was kicking a field goal obviously we had the the misses at Arkansas yeah and, and I just felt like I said look nobody ever says going into a game I want to drive to stall out and be forced to kick but I really thought it was important for Mississippi State and Nolan McCord in particular to be able to go to the dressing room go into this week with some good memories. And he actually was able to get two field goals yesterday. One of those, interestingly enough, Mississippi State took a knee on third down and then kicked it on fourth from about 40-something yards. It was almost like Mike Leach thought, you know what, I want to make him kick this field goal. I may need this down the road, yeah. Yeah, and because, look, this is a ball game. 
in terms of the state Ole Miss game, how many times, no matter what you think about the offenses, the defenses, and these are, this is going to be one of those years with two of the best offenses going at each other that we've ever seen, but they just still have a knack sometimes to coming down. Can you kick one through? And so probably a pretty good chance to, to put a good memory in your head. Do you like this game on Thanksgiving night? I mean, what's your personal thoughts on that? I go back and forth. In fact, I was asked that question earlier today, and I I said I feel strongly both ways. Um, Ultimately, I kind of prefer this ball game on the weekends. And I'm not entirely sure, by the way, why we couldn't wrestle the Friday spot away from somebody. You know, that used to be the, what, the LSU-Arkansas game that you Right, but it was always at, a, at on 1.30 Friday. on CBS, yeah. Yeah, I don't want 1.30, but, uh, you know, and I know down south we've got to be real careful about trying to give away our Friday nights during high school playoffs. Yeah, that's, that's North Half Championship uh, Week, uh, mind you. Yes. And, and I know <laughs> Starkful and, and West Point and West Lowndes, I know those are teams in, in, in the Golden Triangle that have pretty salty football teams as well. Yeah, so I probably would not win many electoral votes in West Point or startable if I advocated for a Friday night game. But, but the one thirty game, you know, we could pull that off. Yeah, I think we could do that. And, you know, in, in my family, we adjust. We just observe Thanksgiving on Friday. Uh, so it's – I think the, the tough thing is, I think it's really tough on athletes after a long season to turn around and play on short rest. I think so few people understand the physical toll that they – you know, that this – game of football takes on these players in the full season. And I think we could go back and look in history and say that there are years where having to play on short rest mattered. You know, you think of the 98 game, for example, where Romero Miller couldn't yeah. play because he'd gotten hurt. Right. You know, even the next year he was banged up a little bit. He was playing on a, a taped ankle. And so, and it's gone the other way too, you know, so we've seen a number of times where the injuries matter. We had JJ Johnson limited one year. And I'm sure there are you know, a number of more recent examples, but <clears throat> the point being, it's really tough to play a game. Now, the good news is, if you think back to the late 90s, we were playing Arkansas that week before. You guys were playing Georgia. And so it was a pretty tough, not just a short turnaround, but a game where you got beat up a little bit. Right. So at least we've kind of – we had an FCS team yesterday um, – Ole Miss had the game that is uh, closest to an FCS team, at least within the SEC. Yeah. And so um, it, not as bad as it used to be, at least. Before we let you go, I'd love to, to know your thoughts. Do you expect the Mississippi State fans to, to fill Davis Wade Stadium? Are you expecting a capacity crowd on Thursday night? I think it's going to be really close. I think the fact is there are just some people who that holiday is important from family and other reasons and aren't going to be there. The other thing, and man, we could get together and we ought to at some point on one of our respective shows and talk about just the long-term change in fan attendance that may come out of the COVID issues. You know, a lot of people kind of got at home last year and decided that the concessions were pretty cheap from your own refrigerator. The bathroom was close and it was clean and uh, realized all the money they were saving by not going. I think, and I hope that this is a game that, uh, kind of fills all the stands back up but i do think there's a fascinating long-term issue there for college football as a whole yeah i think i don't think there's any doubt that that keith carter director of athletics at ole miss we've asked him on this program he's commented that he's 
while uh, you know the SEC network, it's great. It, it's really put a damper on getting folks off the couch in front of their 72-inch television with their bathroom right around the corner, the concessions right around the corner of the refrigerator. So, you know, with athletic directors having to battle that, it's a long discussion about how they're going to get people in the stands now with the COVID protocol. You know, this past Saturday in Oxford, you know, Charlie, it it was not a great crowd for Vanderbilt. Ohio State had empty seats. Alabama had empty seats with Arkansas. So it's definitely going going to be an ongoing battle. I would like to say this. If you and I meet up at 1030 on Thanksgiving night, the ball uh, has already been kicked, and, and the scoreboard is final. And I tell you that Mississippi State won 31 to 17. How did that happen? I think ultimately it was Mississippi State's defense. I think for all the attention that the offenses get, this game is going to be about which defense can get a couple of stops, um, which team turned it over a couple of times. Look, I, I think Matt Corral is an exceptional quarterback. I think Will Rogers is playing as good as any quarterback in the country. I think both these teams offensively, whether you like the style or not, they're two really bright offensive minds coaching these teams. I just feel like this one's going to come down to which defense can figure out a way to get some turnovers, to get a couple of stops, create some short field touchdowns for the offense. I may be wrong, but I really think this game's going to turn on defense. He's Charlie Winfield. He covers Mississippi State the pre- and post-game host along with Bart Gregory on the MSU radio network from Learfield. Also does a ton of sports on ACC Network. Thursday is quickly approaching, and we look forward to saying hello to you, Charlie, uh, in Starkville on Thanksgiving night. Charlie, thank you very much for being part of the show, and look forward to talking with you soon. Man, I appreciate it. See you on Thursday. And thank you to Charlie Winfield for joining the show today to preview the Egg Bowl coming up on Thursday night. Charlie, of course, the pre- and post-game host on the Mississippi State Radio Network from Learfield, uh, the football broadcast, and also uh, works for SEC Network Plus alongside Bart Gregory uh, with MSU Baseball. So thanks very much uh, to Charlie for joining the show. Remember, today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Head on over to the new and updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with the promo code BLEAVE to receive your bonus today. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% bonus. Remember, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, that's betonline.ag. It's Ole Miss and Mississippi State coming up in just a few days, and we'll lead you right up to kickoff right here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Podcast Network. listening to the believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host Brad Logan download the show on Apple podcasts Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts please subscribe rate and leave a review online be sure and check us out on Twitter at Brad Logan C-O-T-E and at believe podcasts as well as Facebook Brad Logan media from the vault to the pavilion to Swayze Field. It's all Ole Miss all the time. This has been the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network.